Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Mark chapter 4, if you will. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to talk to you tonight about where significance starts, where significance starts. You know, I, I, I believe deep down within everybody that we all have an innate desire and draw within us to be significant, to live lives of significance. Significance means that it has reason, it has meaning, it has purpose, it has weight to it. And I believe that deep within everyone, regardless of your role and status and how much money you make, at the end of the day, your significance is going to be weighed and measured by different criteria than the world gives us. You know, there are people that have all the money and all the wealth in the world, but they lack significance. Significance in their day-to-day lives, significance in their impact that they leave on people. Uh, significance in what they go through day in and day out. Uh, They can climb the corporate ladder. You can reach levels of status and fame and, and, and being known, but yet still lack significance. And I believe in the kingdom of God, this passage that we're about to look at, it's going to give us some directives of how we can find and locate significance in our lives. Um, And I don't believe it's as hard to find as uh, the world has made it out to be. Amen? And so, uh, look, I don't want success over significance. I don't want success in man's eyes and lack significance in God's eyes. I want to be significant. I want to matter. I want to have reason and purpose. And so, look at this here with me in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes And harvest it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jumping back to verse 26, I find it interesting that he says that the comparison. And look at the two things that he's comparing here. He's comparing the kingdom of God. And then he says it's like a farmer or it can be likened to a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. One thing I love about Jesus's ministry was he wasn't trying to talk over people's heads. Jesus wasn't trying necessarily to get you to come up to his level. He had no problem coming down to you and making this thing relevant and making this thing applicable. And listen, he's comparing something that we would all uh, measure as greatly significant, greatly significant, the kingdom of God. 
He's talking about God's rule and God's reign. He's talking about the kingdom. And we know how much Jesus loved the kingdom, right? We know how much he obsessed over it and talked about it. And and this was the very reason and purpose that he came to this earth and why he died on the cross and why he rose again and why he, he restored you and renewed you and redeemed you. It was all because of a kingdom. And he simplifies it down to, uh, it's, it's a farmer planting seed. You know, he doesn't even say it's a farmer planting crops. He says it can be as easily missed as a farmer planting seed. You know, that's the amazing thing about significance is it can be so easily overlooked. That's the thing about significance, and this is really why we, we, we chase after the things that we chase after, and we run after the things that we run after, and we pursue the things and, 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 and are drawn to things and fight for things is because we, we tend to miss how easily we could be achieving significance in the first place. How much we overlook significance in the first place. I have a quote that that I've been saying for years that the Lord gave me several years ago. He said, many of life's most significant moments seem insignificant in the moment. Many of life's most insignificant, most of life's most significant moments, they seemed insignificant at the time, in the moment. At the time, I could have easily have gone the other direction. I mean, come on, think about your life right now. Think about the significant moments that seemed insignificant at the time. I could have easily have made the wrong choice. I could have easily gone the opposite direction. I could have easily bypassed that, neglected it, abandoned it, not given it the due attention and the due value and, 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 and the, the effort and pursued it. I could have easily, I mean, it's almost like, God, why would you do that? Why would you put such a significant moment of my life but package it in a seed, in a seed? But see, this is what God is trying to show us is significance always starts as a seed. See, the key that God wants us to understand is we are not waiting for significance. We have to walk in significance every day. We're not waiting for it to become significant. We're not waiting for it to have reason in meeting. Let me, let me identify it to you, to your new life in Christ. You are, God is not waiting for you to become his special chosen people. The moment you give your life to him, he sees you as his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his perfect child, his sinless people. That's who he sees, his righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I can't be more righteous tomorrow than I was the day I gave my life to him. He sees me in a completed work, a finished work of the cross, and I'm there. Significance is where I start. It's not where I end. Significance is where you start. It's not where you end. To a farmer, farmers treat seed a lot different than I do. 
Farmers treat seed a lot. I, I, I've learned a lot coming to an agricultural community like Valdosta. I grew up in, in the Metroplex, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. If you don't know what that means, it's because you've never been to one. It means highways and concrete and buildings and glass and people everywhere and traffic and fumes and, and, and houses up on top of houses and, and seeing land with, with fields white with, with, with cotton and, you know, uh, we call them pecan trees. Y'all call them pecan trees everywhere. You know, all the farmland. But, but I learned something real quick. They value agriculture different than I did. I've told this story before, but one of the, the, the farming families in our, in our church, Brent and Lisa Biles, been in our church longer than we have, honestly. They were here when we got here. And, and uh, one day I just wanted to go out to his field, go out to his farm and just see, you know, what do you do all day? What, is, what, is, what does a pecan farmer do? What does that look like? What do you do? Because I have no idea. I have no clue. We had a pecan tree in our backyard growing up. It was massive. And it would drop these massive uh, uh, pecans. I'm back in Texas. I'm going to say it the way we say it back there. And I had a wiffle ball bat. And I'd launch them up. And I'd smoke those things over the yard. And now they've got more pecans in their yard than I have in my yard. They don't even have a tree. That's what I did with them. And so I'm rolling up his big, long driveway, going down this beautiful orchard. They're on both sides. And, and you know, I'm just driving along. You know, I, I'm not thinking about where I'm going or what I'm driving on top of. And he goes, man, you just ran over my kid's college tuition. I said, what are you talking about? It's like all those pecans you just ran over. I said, and he was joking, but I, he thinks about it differently than I do. For me, they were, were they were wiffle ball projectiles, and to him, it was money. To him, it was how he's getting his kids to school. To him, it was how they're buying a new house and getting more farm equipment. And, and, and so the value is different when you understand where the significance starts. The problem is, is we're waiting for significance rather than walking in significance, and now we are going through this process of one day when, when God says, I started with significance. At the very beginning, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you ever entered this earth, I designed you, mastered you, planned you, created you, put you together. I've destined you. I've equipped you. I've called you, anointed you, appointed you. I've I've put it all in there. And we are not waiting to become significant. But now we're going to walk out the significant. Comparing something great to something that seems so minimal. So it got me thinking, how many times do I miss significance in my life? If it's in the form of a seed, then I'm looking for a tree. God never gives you trees. God will never give you a tree. You can ask him all day long for a tree. He won't give you one. He'll put seed in your hand. See, God always gives you what you need in the form of ingredients. I love that that, that, that story of the the prophet, the prophet Elijah that showed up at the widow woman's house. She and her son were collecting sticks, right? In the middle of this famine, they're going to make one last meal and die. That was it. That was the outlook on life. We're collecting sticks. We got enough. Ingredients to make one more cake, and then we're going to 
That's all. That's all we got. So Elijah says, first bake me a cake. Local evangelist. Steals from hurting widow woman. Raising, raising an offering. Those televangelists always asking for more. Make me a cake first. He said, make me a cake. And she said, well, all I have, a flour, a little bit of oil, sticks to start a fire. See, while we're naming off ingredients, God sees the end result. Sometimes that's what we do. We name off all the ingredients. And God's saying, okay, put it together. See, we see it in the individual and ingredient form. Insignificant. What can a little bit of flour do? What can a jar of oil do? I, you know, there was another prophet, Prophet Elijah, Elisha, with the widow woman. And her husband had just passed on. She had sons and, and owed some debt. And so the tax collectors were coming to take her sons as to a form of carrying out that debt, paying back that debt. And Elisha does the same thing to her. What do you have in the house? All I have is a little bit of oil. Something that was already in her house. Something that she walked past every day. Something that was right. She didn't have to go to the store and get it. She didn't have to raise funds to add it to her, to her resources. She didn't have to go door to door asking for oil. It was right there, available, accessible, near her, right there. She could have pulled it off the shelf at any time. I wonder what we have in the house tonight. I wonder what you have right now. At your just, I only have a little bit of love. Use what you got. I only got a little bit of peace. Use what you got. I got. A, oh, I only got a little bit of affirmation. Use what you got. God is starting where you are at. It seems insignificant, but it's what God wants to use. Comparing the kingdom of God to a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. This is the thing with people of significance. They value what others will discard. People of significance value what others would discard, throw away, set aside, overlook, abandon, neglect. They place value on that. If you're going to be a person of significance, you have to start placing significance, not waiting for significance. You have to start saying, what I have right now, how can God use it? We are always in seasons of our lives. We've all been there. You might be there now. You will be there one day. Where you can dumb down and reduce what God is doing in your life. It can feel empty. It can feel obscure. It can feel out of place, out of touch. I don't, this isn't my fit. Uh, uh, why don't they see me? Why don't they notice me? Where's the pats on the backs? Where's the thing? We can all end up in those scenarios. But what I've learned about people that walk out significance is even in those moments, they look for the significance. We don't make excuses. We don't, we don't withdraw. We don't scapegoat, put it on other people. You know, it, it's a day. Significant people don't live at the mercy of what others do. They don't live at the mercy of their environment. They don't live at the mercy of what happens to them. They don't live at the mercy of what takes place around them. But, you know, a lot of people in our world, they are simply going through life at the mercy of what happens out there. It's so sad. 
Mercy of the comments, mercy of the likes, mercy of the approval, mercy of the job promotion, mercy of the pay, mercy of what their husband or their spouse says, mercy of how the kids are behaving that day. And so if the kids are good, we're good. If the kids are bad, we're down. If the husband says, I love you today, we're doing great. If he doesn't acknowledge and disregard that I'm doing, you can't live that way and live a life of significance. Your significance is never at the mercy of someone else's approval. Your significance is never at the mercy of what others think or what happens around you. It doesn't work that way. So people of significance, they learn to value what others would discard. To God, it starts out significant. So here's the thing. How am I going to recognize significance in my life? If that's where he's starting out, then here's the thing. I'm going to have to learn to see things differently. I'm going to have to learn to see things differently. I got to see things the way God sees things. Several weeks ago, we jumped into the, the, the selection of kings that God used with King Saul and, and King David and how, you know, King Saul, he fit the part, checked the boxes, you know, uh, you know, had the resume, right? To be king, king of Israel. And then God tells Samuel, do not look on the outward appearance. Look on the heart. He was teaching Samuel, I look at things differently. I use different measures. I use different standards. And this is what I know is, is look, Anybody that feels insignificant or feels like their life is insignificant, it's not because they are. It's just simply because they don't see the significance that is there. It's never because you're insignificant. Never. The situation you're in, it's not insignificant. The challenge you're facing, it's not insignificant. Raising those children is not insignificant. Starting that business, it's not, that in, it's not insignificant. But the problem is, is how we see it. See, Samuel was one decision away from missing the next king of Israel. You know, he looked at Eliab, the first brother, the first one, right out the gate, the first one that stepped up. Certainly, this must be the Lord's anointed. I mean, he wasn't even getting to number two or number three. Let me see all the options and we'll make them. You know, the first one, you know how many times we do that? Because look, if I can treat something as insignificant, that is significant, I can also make the mistake of treating something as significant when it really is insignificant. I can make the mistake both ways. And look, until I understand the measurements and the standards that God is using in my life, I'm not going to come to the same conclusion he comes to. And I'm going to keep picking Eliab's, and they're going to keep failing, and I'm going to keep missing David's, even though they're out in the pasture, uh, ignored and disregarded and not even invited with the rest of the brothers. Some of us keep picking what looks significant on the outside because we don't know how to properly see the significance the way God sees it. I've got to learn how to see the way he sees. I've got to learn to measure the way he measures. I've got to learn to rule my life by his standards, not mine, not by the world's, not by others. 
but by God's. This is how we achieve the significance is you have to see it. Significance is in the potential, not the product. Significance is in the potential, not the product. Do we not live in a world today that wants to get to the end result as quick as possible? I mean, we have cheat sheets for everything, man. I mean, I remember growing up in the 90s, the infomercials and the, the, uh, the products that were being sold to shorten and quicken a workout. Yeah. Y'all remember the ab roller? Anybody remember the ab roller? It's this little, this U-shaped bar thing you lay in and you just grab it and you literally are just doing, right? They even had this thing that you wear around your waist that vibrates the heck out of your abs. All I have to do is sit in a chair and I'm getting an ab workout, apparently. I'm doing nothing. I'm putting no effort to work. This thing is supposed to be vibrating so much. Why? Because we want to get the product without the process. We want to get to the end result without enduring and going through what is necessary to see the significance. David had a process he had to go through. Seeds have a process that they have to go through. We see that later on in this passage. But when we get more fixated on the product rather than the potential, then we start looking for things in a finished state and in a completed form rather than taking what God is wanting to use, those seed moments, those what seems insignificant in the moment, taking those opportunities and then working them. I don't know about you. I can stand here before you. I can honestly and truthfully tell you, I have never accomplished the plan of God in my life by shortcut. I never have. I, I'm, I'm, I've never have. I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to try to talk my way to it. I'm not going to try to believe my way to it. I'm, I'm just going to get in here and be faithful. Faithful people are fruitful people. It's the faithfulness of God. It's the faithfulness of you standing on the word of God and believing through and just pushing and grinding and regardless of the results that you're seeing, regardless of the progress you feel like you're making, sometimes you just gotta be faithful. You just gotta keep doing it even when you're tired of doing it. You just gotta keep doing it without waiting for others to take notice. You just gotta keep doing as if the entire world was watching. Because the only one that matters is watching. Faithfulness. Just grind it out, man. We've lost that in our culture today. We've lost it in society today. You're not, you're not going to circumvent this thing. We're talking about kingdom principles. He says the kingdom of God is like a farmer that scatters seed. There's no other way around it. Now the kingdom of man, the man, uh, uh, the kingdom that man wants to build, sure they'll they'll look for the quickest way possible, the shortest route possible. How many people can I step on on the way up? See, when you do it God's way, you improve everybody that you come along. And of course, you get improved too. 
you know, when you when you when you take shortcuts, when you take shortcuts, you're you're only derailing your plan, God's plan for your life. And honestly, you're just doing yourself a disservice. And any leader that would tolerate shortcuts in your life is doing you a disservice as well. They are not helping you. They are not promoting you. They are not improving you. They may be trying to make you feel good. They may, they, they, they may have ulterior motives. But at the end of the day, if you want to see somebody become significant, meaning that they walk out the significance that they already are, there are just some things you're going to have to go through. There's just some things you're going to have to endure. There's just some pressures you're just going to have to face. And I can't teach it to you. It's not learned in a classroom. It's not learned in a sanctuary. You just have to go through it. You just have to apply your faith. You just have to believe the word. You just have to stand. And when you've done all to stand, you stand. You just have to grit and grind and push and endure. Those that endure to the end will be saved. It's just only so much I can do. You know, I, I, I deal with it with my son's baseball team. There's only so much I can coach. There's only so much I can teach. There's only so much I can show them. There's only so much I can critique and correct and, 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 and grow. At some point, they're just going to have to get out there and do it. And you're going to fail, and it's okay. You're going to learn from it. You're going to struggle, and it's going to be hard to watch. You're going to face adversity and it's going to be difficult to stand by. But if I come in and save you every time, we're missing the lesson. We're missing the lesson. You're missing the opportunity. It's the same in the kingdom of God. So it's about the potential. Significance is in the potential. It's not in the product. You have to see it before you see it. You have to see the tree before the seed proves that there's a tree in there. You have to see the crop. You have to see the harvest. And you have to believe in that even when the seed disappears deep into the soil, out of sight, out of mind. You have to believe it's working. Believe it's moving. Believe it's growing. Believe progress is being made. Okay, so the potential's in the seed. What you do with the seed determines what the seed will do for you. What you do with the seed determines what the seed will do for you. Why do a lot of people miss the significance? It's because they're holding on to seed. Holding on to seed. I understand when it's all you got, it's hard to let go. I understand when it's, 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 it's all I have. I'll let this go, then I have nothing. But you have to go to nothing to get something. It's a give and take. You know, parents, we, we have to do this with our children. And it's difficult. Because you want to keep them right here. And as they get older, you want to shield and you want to protect and you want to, you want to guard. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But at the end of the day, parenting is about stewarding the gifts of God that are within that child. Stewarding that gift that has been placed in your care and in your life. And that's not your child. It's God's child and he's placed them in your care. 
We don't tell our kids you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. We tell them you will be successful at whatever God has assigned on your life. And you should spend the rest of your life discovering who he created you to be. And you get them to see God in everything in their life. In the trees, in the plants, in the good, in the bad, in the struggles, in the victories. You get them to see God working and moving in their lives every step of the way. That's parenting. And that's how you get significance out of them. But what you do with the seed determines what the seed will do for you. We cannot be seed Holders. He says that the, the kingdom of God is likened to a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. And that's not just scattering like woefully, like, oh, let's just see what happens. Y'all know the parable of the soil? You might know it as the parable of the sower. I call it the parable of the soil because the common denominator is the seed. The common denominator is the sower. The thing that changes in every opportunity is the soil. It's the soil that changes. And if you don't put the seed in the right environment, it will not produce the right product. If we're not putting the seed in the place where it can be cared for, where it can be taken care of, where it can be, it is supposed to, that is the very environment it belongs in. Oh, environment. Environment. Environment determines development. It's not the seed and it's not the sower. Parable of the sower. We, 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 got, we got environment on, on, on stony ground. Look, some of us are complaining about lack of harvest, but we keep sowing on ground that isn't producing anything. Hello? You're putting seed in places it doesn't belong. At some point, we got to start... We got to start locking in and saying, maybe I need to quit planting my seed there. Maybe I need to quit investing there. Maybe I need to quit putting my effort and my time and my resources there. Maybe there are some environments you are not supposed to put your seed. And then we wonder why we always run into insignificance. No, take care. Even Jesus said, I don't cast pearls before swine. What's he talking about? I don't put things of value in front of things. Some of us are placing things of value in front of others that do not value it. And it's run its course. It's running you dry. It's running them dry. It's doing them a disservice. It's time to pull the plug. It's time to pull the harvest and say, I'm going to go find some good ground. I'm going to go find some good soil that hears and understands and applies and draws and puts into practice. We're running ourselves dry on the little seed that we have, wasting it on, on, on ground that will never produce. And there's, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with the seed. Look, if we keep sowing on ground that isn't producing, it's not us it's not the seed it's us it's not the seed it's us the seed's not the problem you are because we keep putting it in places it doesn't belong environment determines development you got to get that seed in the right environment you want to see a seed produced take care of where it's placed take care how you guard it, you protect it, and you water it, and you're, you're overseeing it. Planting the seed. What, the, what you do with the seed determines what the seed will do for you. And we're getting frustrated in the process of seeing the product, the process of seeing the harvest, because we continue to make investments where it's not valued. 
We continue to, to pour our seed in places it doesn't belong. I love this statement. It says, night and day, while he's asleep or awake. Look at this. The seed sprouts and grows. The seed sprouts and grows. The seed knows what to do. If you will be a farmer that takes the seed, recognizes the significance of it from the beginning, puts it in the right environment, the seed will do the work. It says night and day, and, and, and then it goes on to say, but he does not understand how it happens. So here's what I see a lot of people as they're maneuvering and navigating towards significance. They get the, okay, I've got the seed. Okay, it's, it's not just a seed. It's a, it's a tree. It's a crop. It's a harvest. Okay, I got that. Okay, we're going to put it in the right environment. And then they do this. They frustrate the process by trying to figure out how. It's going to work. Now, wait, okay, how is me walking in love going to get them to respond to me favorably? And now they can't reconcile it in their brain. And they frustrate the process, and they shorten the lifespan of what that seed can do. The next step that we see here is there are some things that are out of your control. For the farmer, what's he supposed to do? Take the seed, put it in the ground, plant it. It says while he sleeps, while he's awake night and day, it's sprouting, it's growing. But he will frustrate the process if he tries to get down there and say, wait a minute, what? how is it doing that? What's going on? What's happening here? And we start asking the wrong questions. We start putting our focus on the parts that we don't have control of. And every time we focus on what we can't control, we compromise what we can. Every time I put my focus where I shouldn't, I'm compromising where I should. I can't be focused on both. I've got to do my part, and then i got to trust that that seed's going to do its job. That the earth is going to do its job. That God's going to do its job. That God sees me and counts me faithful. And I can't figure out how they're going to see this and how it's going to get me there. And how if I keep doing this, it's going to end up over here. I can't figure all that. I can't calculate that and reconcile that. But at the end of the day, I'm doing my part. I, the, the, the sower is to be obedient no more and no less. Just obey what God said to do. He told you to give when you didn't have it to give. Just obey. Don't try to figure out, is it coming in the mail? Is so-and-so going to bring it? Am I going to get it You know, through a tax return? Or da, 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 da. No, you're not worried about that. I'm just being obedient. God, it's up to you to bring the results. I'm just doing what you told me to do. I'm just listening to your spirit. I'm just following your word. I'm just standing on your word. I'm believing, I'm applying, and I'll go back to the doctor and they'll keep giving me the same report and I'm not gonna figure out. I'm not gonna get all caught up in how's they gonna do this and when are they gonna say that and when's this gonna do? I'm just gonna do what the Lord tells me to do. But we frustrate the process when we get our eyes off of what we can focus on and we start dwelling and fixating on what we don't have any control over. There's an element here you don't have any control of. In getting significance to come to the come to root, to come to life in your life, there's an element that it's beyond me. And you have to take control where you can, 
get rest where you can. Some of us, we're running ourselves ragged, running ourselves weary. It runs around in our mind. We get no, no relinquishing. No, we, we, we get no rest. We get nothing because we're constantly, we, we plant the seed and then we allow our mind to attack and say, that ain't going to work. They'll never respond to that. It's never going to come your way. You're never going to pay that off. And it's just rolling in your mind. And then we go into toiling. Then we go into this striving and this urging where God's calling us to rest. God's calling us to do what you can do. Let me take care of the rest of it. Go to sleep, farmer. Rest. Close your eyes. Shut your mind off. Trust me. Be assured that I'm working. Be confident that I know what's happening beneath the soil. Come on, just, let's just make the decision right here, right now. I'm not going to frustrate the, the development of my significance any longer by trying to figure out how it's all going to work. Let's just make that decision right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not frustrating the process any longer. I'm not going to try to urge this thing on. I'm not going to be Abraham saying, I haven't seen it yet, so maybe I should go sleep with my maid. I'm going to let the word of God produce in my life, and I'm going to do what I can do, and I'm going to let him do what only he can do. Make that decision tonight. He doesn't understand. It's not our job to know. It's our job to sow. It's not our job to know. Sometimes we got to be in the know too much. Sometimes we got to understand too much. Sometimes we think it through too much. Just stay faithful. Just stay faithful. Look at your neighbor's home. Just stay faithful. Just stay faithful. Come on, they needed that. They needed that. Just stay faithful, man. The next thing he says, he says, the earth produces the crops on its own. On its own. Look at that. The earth produces the crops on its own. And then he gives us this order. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then, the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grains ripen. I don't have any crazy uh, you know, significance in that, in, in those steps other than this. There's an order. There's an order. God is a God of order. And so I see people as they're walking through and navigating through to significance in their life, as they're, they're, they're starting to see that they've planted the seed, man, they're trusting God with the process. And then what happens? The order shows up. And you know what always happens? It's happened in my life. I know it's happened in your life. It's happened to all of us. We want to disrupt the order. We want to get things out of order. We want to see things out of season. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's a season for everything. I said there's a season for everything. That's a godly principle. That's a kingdom principle. That's a biblical principle. There's a season to everything. And you know what I watch people do time and time again? Usually what happens is that first leaf shows up. And instantly, we feel like, you know, you start to see some progression. Yeah, you're, you're smiling, you're laughing because you know you've been there. I, I remember those days. You see it coming up. Because Pastor Caleb and Pastor Crips have been with us almost since day one, and we've been through some seasons. I thought I should be here, but why am I still here? 
Because we, 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 we frustrate and we disrupt. And what I've watched people do time and time again is they uproot too soon. Because I didn't even get you to the last step. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it. Well, man, as soon as that little leaf shows through, we start jumping the gun and we want to skyrocket all the way to the end and get the harvest in. I got a leaf. Look, you're seeing results. You're seeing progress. And then people pluck the thing up. We're not done. We're not done. We're not done. It's not about growing leaves. It's about growing crops. Leaves just look pretty, but crops give something away. And so you you might be in a position where we start to see something coming off, but we need to get you to where you can pour into and invest and impact somebody else. That's what a harvest does. We collect the harvest, and then we distribute that out, and we put it in all kinds of stuff. We put peanuts in all kinds of things. We put pecans in all kinds of things. We put cotton on all kinds of things. It's not there to look nice and look pretty and go down the highway. Oh, man, look how beautiful that It's about who are you impacting. And your impact, your impact is compromised when we uproot too soon. So what am I saying? Let the order happen. Let the order happen. And let it happen in its order. Don't pluck up the seed because you don't like the season. I said don't pluck up the seed because you don't like the season you're in. We will, you will always think you should be further along than you are. That is, that is just nature. That is just where we live. I ought to be, but God knows what he's doing. And I watch people uproot. Listen to your pastor. Listen to your leaders. Listen to your mentors. Listen to the people in your life that you care about. Again, that's that environment. Sometimes we're in the wrong environment. We got people saying, man, you need to get up out of there. Here's what I've learned about life in my ministry, but also in my life. When I felt like it was time to go, that's when I was supposed to stay. And when I felt like I was supposed to stay, that's when it was time to go. I found out God doesn't really care about my feelings when he's navigating me along his purpose. He's not consulting me. What do you think about this? You think this is a good time? Is it a good time to start a church? Is it a good time to, to do this? Think it's a good time to do that? I mean, I've heard business people start businesses in recessions. Start programs in recessions at the bottom when nobody else is doing it. Why? Because God isn't consulting the environment saying, yep, it's the time. No, what do you need faith for? You need faith to believe in what you can't see. You need faith to believe in the potential of something, even when it proves uh, on the outside it doesn't look anything worthwhile. This is where we start allowing God to walk. It's the steps of a righteous man that are ordered of the Lord. And just because you don't like the order they're in doesn't give you the right to skip a step. But I watch people do it all the time. Ready. We're seeing the leaf blade. We're seeing the grain push through. We're not there. We've got to allow the order. We've got to allow the process. We've got to allow the system. We've got to allow it to work the way God has designed it to work. Stay with His plan. Stay with His order. Don't uproot. Don't check out. Don't leave. Don't disrupt. Don't challenge. Stay with it. Stay with it. 
There's an order. And lastly, he says this. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. For the harvest time has come. He says, as soon as the grain is ready. I see people, they, they, they uproot too soon. They disrupt too soon. But I also see people that when it's time to go, they're hesitant. They push back. I, I don't know, Pastor Mark. I'm not ready. I don't, I'm not ready to start that family. I'm not ready to start that business. I'm not ready to take that on. I'm not. Now, when, when God says you're ready, he's not consulting your feelings again. Isn't that funny? That we feel ready before we are, and then when we are ready, it's like, uh, what is that? What is that? No, we got to trust. Trust the development. Trust the seed's been planted. Trust you've taken care of it. Trust that you've watered it. Trust that you, 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 you've, you've done exactly. You stayed faithful. You grinded. You stayed with the process. And now here we are. God says, all right. It's time to impact someone else. It's time to give away what you've been receiving. See, see, this seed has been receiving, receiving, receiving. Now it's time to give. And sometimes we get comfortable in the receiving. Sometimes we get comfortable in the sitting back. Sometimes we get comfortable in the, oh, it just feels so good to just go to church and just hear Pastor Mark preach. And he's saying, man, I need you to teach. I need you to share. I need you to start a book. I need you to do that. I need you to do this. I need you to go out. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's he saying? I'm putting the sickle because you're ready. And if we miss that window, if we miss that window, the crop will die on the vine. The crop will die on the vine, impacting no one. And what was meant to be significant becomes insignificant. Nobody wants to live their life and at the very end say, my life was insignificant. It meant nothing. Who did I impact? What legacy did I leave? What did I pass on? Every, every, uh, that's what people want more than leaving wealth to their kids. More than, than, than passing on great wisdom and knowledge. How, what kind of impact did I leave in the earth? Being successful in the wrong assignment. Living a life without purpose. Living a life without reason. Living a life without meaning. Without significance. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website, at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.